I want nothing but the best for these juveniles. So parents, so so there are parents that come in and support their children? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, parents do come. Um, I think that that tell there's a telltale sign sometimes when your children are being charged with serious crimes and parents are not there. But I don't want to go and pass judgment because that's the problem. I think we speculate too much. And me mm -hmm. as a judge, <clears throat> I'm not God. So even though I have to pass judgment as a judge, I am not going to be the one to speculate what kids are doomed and what kids are not doomed. That is not my call to make. Um, but parent participation is very vital. We have learned through this COVID crisis that with Zoom hearings, some parents who are working and unable to take off of work, they're, they're participating more. So Zoom has helped us get more parent participation. But okay. parents do need to be involved. And if a parent, it, it says a lot to a kid if their parent is not there or if their parents there or someone, a loved one. You know, if mom and dad can't make it, a grandma, an aunt, a godmother, somebody mm -hmm. thinking there's somebody through that system. So, I'm sorry. What was my question? I I know that um, a lot of a lot of the the people that come through your court probably um, what's the word? My words are so bad today. That's probably so come from uh, a poverty poverty stricken poverty poverty. poverty. Um, so when a lot of people don't have access to to getting an attorney and they have to to use public defenders and things like that and i know like public defenders their caseloads are like pretty heavy like how, how how do you have any tips for someone i mean not even just the youth because you you deal with with um domestic relations like yes. how do they navigate because that system whoo my gosh, I'd have been through it. I'd have seen it. Yeah. <laughs> like the yeah. system is hard to navigate through. Do it's you have any tips and pointers? <laughs> so the court system is old, is very overwhelming and it can be very intimidating. Um, not only just the semantics and where it's set, you gotta find somewhere to park. Now we got construction everywhere. You gotta be there on time, you gotta go through a line, you gotta be scanned, you gotta be wand, you gotta go to this big corridor and to determine what courtroom you're going to, because all yeah. of them are down together. What time are you supposed to be there? Who you're supposed to meet? I mean, it's very overwhelming. Um, yeah. It's very overwhelming. So my court in particular is considered family court. It's domestic okay. division and is the court of domestic relations and juvenile branch division, family court. So what we do, we do all divorces. We do disillusions. We okay. do legal separations. We do annulments. We also deal with abused, neglected, dependent children. We deal with truancy and we deal with juvenile delinquency and we deal with termination of parental rights. And we also are the court um, for abortion bypass hearing. So we have all those hearings. So anything that deals wow. with the family, a child under the age of 18, 21, if, if they're mentally or physically incapacitated, we have jurisdiction over that. And we have okay. jurisdiction over marriages. So that's what we do um, with regards to families or anyone that has to come to that system. Public defenders are wonderful because a lot of them have relationships and connections. So it doesn't matter what type of attorney you have, just if you have it. But um, it is important that you have one and there are resources available. I know the Legal Aid Society of Columbus, 
Okay. Um, that's a resource you can call. They offer services, pro bono services. You can call the Columbus Bar Association. They're attorneys that volunteer time every year and they give so many pro bono hours a year to okay. indigent persons and the CBA can refer you to them. Can you, can, you, can you explain what a pro bono is? Some people may not know. Pro bono is when you don't have to pay. So it's for free. So they're doing public service and they're volunteering their time to represent clients in order for them to have um, attorneys. Because if you can't afford an attorney, you want somebody to be able to do so. You don't want to run into that big issue. So that's what pro bono means. And then the Capital University Law School, they have a center and they take clients and they have a team of attorneys that work pro bono as well. And then the Ohio State University, their uh, law school, the Morris College of Law, they have a program as well. So there are some programs and resources out there. And then I know the Legal Aid Society, they have clinics every month at okay. different places where they talk to people about things like wills, um, divorces, contracts. And they're, they're, again, there are attorneys that volunteer their time on Saturdays. I think it's one Saturday out of every month where they okay. offer services and provide clinics for people. So um, now you can Google just about all those places. So, cause I don't have the numbers right here, but you can Google all those places or contact Jody and I'll get you the information, but there are some resources now. Um, and most of them do great jobs. I've had legal aid, um, help some of our clients that are dealing with domestic violence and represent them in civil protection orders. I've had legal aid and capital university represent persons and divorces. So, you know, there are resources out there of people who will help um, indigent people and will volunteer their time and talent to give back um, to the community. I know with um, with the COVID pandemic, there's been a spike in domestic violence um, situations. Um, and I know a lot of times the, the victims, uh, there's a couple of things I wanted to say about that, um, about the domestic violence. But I know that sometimes the victims don't know what to do. They don't know where to go. They don't know. I know with the protection orders, the issues and um, are there some tips that you may have for, uh, you know, someone that's experiencing domestic violence and want to know what next steps they should take to try to get some help or do something? Yes. Choices is a phenomenal organization to help women escape from domestic violence and okay. physical assault. Um, again, I think it's, it's education, education, education and giving people access. They've already figured out that women that are in domestic violence relationships, sometimes it takes them five times before they'll actually leave. And usually wow. that's a dangerous time. And okay. it starts out with emotional abuse and usually it's financial abuse and that total control. So we have had an uptick in those cases since COVID. And the problem is, I think what COVID has is an isolated situation. So we have people not monitoring in the third eye in the home. So you know, kids are being neglected, kids are being abused, women are being battered, and you don't have the <sighs> safeguards that were in place pre-COVID because there's nobody watching out or noticing something just ain't right. But um, all we can do is support women because one, never judge anyone and, and say, why are you in it? That's in and of itself destructive and is, it does no, it's disingenuous. Women in that situation, again, just trying to pick up the cues and again, there's a wealth of information out there about, you know, the cues and, and symptoms, symptomology of 
domestic violence and being there to help advocate for people as a person or getting them to the proper resources so that they can get protection. Again, coming to our court and we do civil protection orders, um, the, uh, the, uh, the municipal court, Franklin County Municipal Court, um, attorney, city attorneys act fine. They have a department that deals with victim of crimes. So there's resources. Can you, can you explain the civil, can you explain what a civil protection order is? So civil protection order, it can be in muni court and that's a misdemeanor. It can be in general division and that's con uh, the adult court for felony. And then our court is family related. So in our court, in order to get a civil protection order, you have to have some type of relation, an intimate relation in the last five years a family or household member or a child of person you had a child by or someone you've been married to um, or you've been cohabitating or having a relationship with. In Muni Court and in general, uh, the general division, you're dealing with any victims of crime, whether it's by someone you know or by a stranger. And, and there's certain factors to lead the courts to determine whether they're going to grant it or not and is fact sensitive and fact intensive. So if you're being violated against or if you're being assaulted, you can go to any of those three courts to seek a civil protection order. And if you don't meet the burden in one court, you can still go to another. And then sometimes you get it in all three courts. Um, we've had cases where women get civil protections in our court, and then they also get them in muni court hmm. where the charges are pending against the perpetrator. Okay, okay. So, I'm sorry, one second. I got so many questions. So, oh my gosh, yo, I just, cause while, you know, while you're talking, I, you know, I have my questions in my head. Like, okay, so I asked you about the, the um, domestic violence. There was something I wanted to ask you about domestic violence. Uh, okay, it might come to me, it might come to me in a little bit. But I, I did, I'm back. I, I did, um, there was a situation where, um, there's situations where a lady would get a protection order on a guy and the guy still like pops up where they are or, um, you know, shows up and, okay, there's a situation where a parent, I'm gonna say a parent, a parent was in a, a domestic violence situation and their child ended up, a, the young adult child ended up harming that person that was the, the abuser or end up uh, maybe killing the abuser, either harming an abuser or killing the abuser. How, I, how, how is that kind of, how is that handled when, you know, the person had a protection order, but it was violated and then their loved one steps in and gets involved. So you have to still go from the premise you're innocent until proven guilty and without getting fact specific hypothetical that civil protection orders are in place to safeguard persons from unwanted uh, violations and physical aggression and assault and, and ongoing sexual assaults or uh, domestic violence. Mm -hmm. If people violate them, you can file a violation of civil protection orders and there are protections in place to keep those. If in that situation, it would be up to the prosecutor to determine what and if to charge the alleged perpetrator and then 
that case has to go to a grand jury and then they would determine whether there's guilt and innocence. So the system has to play itself out. And if everybody does their job, then it should weigh out the way it's supposed to weigh. Yeah. So is there a possibility that that a loved one could actually get in trouble for attempting to protect their their loved one from an abuser? Like, is there a possibility that they could be like penal, like charged and convicted for trying to protect someone? Yeah, because you can't assault someone. So, what does that mean? So, qual I mean, you, you if someone has a civil protection order, one somebody shouldn't even be jumping in and trying to act like the police. If someone is violating a civil protection order, call the proper authorities so they can have that person arrested or removed. Do not do any vigilante justice and try to stop. Now, if you see someone at immediate risk of harm or danger and you're trying to save them from it or protect them or shield them from it, that's one thing. But again, I can't speculate because you don't know what happens and what was behind the scene bubbling and working. So I, I, it's hard to answer that question because anything can happen. Any anything can happen, and the court system has to sit itself out to see what what the end result is. Okay, okay. So as as far as like some of the cases that you've seen, um, you're not. I know you're not allowed to, to actually speak on certain cases, but is there like a certain situation that? or there's probably a, a few situations that could probably be prevented. Like if, like somebody, if they would do, you know, like if they would have known like the law or if they would have known, um, you know how some people make mistakes and they don't know the law? Mm -hmm. Like, is there, are there some common laws that we should know that we don't know? Like the things that you're like, <laughs> you should have known that. <laughs> like, you know, as judges, like, like, what were you thinking? Like, what are some things that you've seen and be like, well, you you didn't it know not to do that? No excuse. <laughs> All I can tell people is to practice common sense. I mean, I don't know. But you know, common sense is not common anymore. <laughs> it's not common. Like, back in the day, we people, we had common, but we don't, it's not common. So what is the, some things you'd be like, some common some common things that you see a lot that you'd be like, okay, maybe the community needs more information about this so that they don't make this mistake. So maybe like educational neglect and making sure kids are going to school, they're going on time, they're not tardy, they're not truant. Um, you know, that's something that you can stab off if, as a parent, just making sure your kids are going to school and they're not being tagged as a parent. So parents can get in trouble for that? Yes, they can. What kind of trouble? They can have charges filed. Wait, wait, what happened? Because I, I know I've been seeing some kids on the streets and I'm like, why are you out here? <laughs> like, what happens to parents? I don't think they know. Maybe they would be, do a better job of keeping track of their babies if they knew what could come down the line. Like, what could what, what could come down the line? Yeah, but uh, yeah, you ask some you ask some very intriguing questions that you can get. <laughs> like, what, what happens? We want to know. <laughs> but um. I, again, just you have to exercise common sense, and if it don't yeah. feel right, it don't sound right, don't look right, then don't do it. If it look like yeah. a duck and talk like a duck, it's a duck, and and don't do it. And 
you know, we have with a Harvard High School. But again, people don't lay people. You just you don't know all this stuff. All you can do is just live and don't be don't have them all scared. Like you can't do A, B, C, and D because you're going to jail. That's not true. But um, oh, yeah. I do got a question. I got a question for you. This spanking, you know, all these parents are saying that. Okay, so the police, my police friends say you are allowed to spank your children. You're not, but you're not allowed to beat them. But you're allowed to discipline your children. But there's this rumor going around all over the world, all over the community, that they're not allowed to spank or discipline their children. Are they allowed to spank your children? So let's use the words right. So parents have a right to <laughs> discipline their children. Okay. Where the fine line is where discipline turns to abuse. So there's no law that says you can't discipline your children. But you spank can't it. abuse your children. Spank I'm not it. Call, I call it <laughs> Teachers were allowed to give spankings back in the day, so we're not allowed to use the word spanking. SWAT. I remember I got SWAT one time, and I never, ooh, girl, and my mom. <laughs> I'm just saying. Because parents think they can't, they, they think that they're going to go to jail if they discipline their children like that. But then they end up, the kids end up getting in trouble, and they're, in, they're disciplined by the police and, you know, the system. Yeah. So I'm trying to squat. I'm trying to squash some of these rumors out here, trying to figure out what we can do, what we can't do to get these babies in line. Well, one thing we got to stop doing is is rumors. I heard. I heard. Look for yourself. There's statues out there. You can see what you can and what you can't do as a parent. Call the court system. But so many times I hear. Well, I heard. I heard. I heard. Find out for yourself. Where's that? Where's the laws at? Where can they log on? Like, is there is there a place where we can log on and, and learn the laws? Huh? I'll revise code. You can look up domestic relations and juvenile law, and you can figure out what you know what abuse is. But <laughs> I'm just saying. We need they we need to know how how we because we got we got an issue with these babies out here. We try to figure out how we can help them. <laughs> you ain't gonna get me to say on TV you can beat your kids. <laughs> I'm just saying. I, I, I don't know. I, I probably do. I mean, more timeout than anything. Maybe I don't know. But timeout don't work for some babies, and some of them need a little extra, little ruler um, action or something. A ruler. The Bible says, <laughs> raise like your a fear the admonition of the Lord. That's huh? what I can tell you. The Bible says, raise your child up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. Mm. Mm. Okay. Okay. That's a that's a nice way to put it, Judge Hawkins. <laughs> so, so the thing about you, I know you said you we can look up the laws, um, the Ohio Revised Code, right? But are those is it written in a way to where people would be able to read it and understand it, like elementary kind of written? No. And again, that's where you need to, attorneys to interpret it. But I mean, I'm just it's available. It's public assets. You can read it. And whether what your interpretation is, that's why our attorneys argue. Everybody can argue their interpretation. And that's why we have court precedents. And that's why we have the Court of Appeals and the Court of Supreme Court of the Law of the Land, because people try to interpret. And everybody, based on our own perspective and our own life experiences, can interpret a sentence two different ways. You and I can read a sentence. And based on your experience and my experience, we can, and we're both Black women, but we can interpret that sentence totally different. So everything is left up to interpretation. That's why just you have to exercise common sense, and then and and at the end of the day. Okay. So my question to you is: the judges all go by the same laws, right? What do you mean? 
like when yeah. they when they do the sentencing and things like yeah. that, do they all yeah. y'all all use the same? So yes. why is it that certain judges give longer sentences to the same crimes that other people do? If if everyone's using the same laws, like you know, the same crimes get different sentences for some reason. How, how how is that? Because it's fact sensitive and it can be left up interpretation. And a lot of times, what the public don't see is what happens in the courtroom, what happens in the pre sentence investigation what kind of record they have. There's all those things that judges matter now. In my court, we're we're dealing with juveniles. So that that's adult court. And I don't want to speak for them, but all of our judges are competent and they do a great job. They have to sift through the facts. The prosecutor has to present facts. The jury has to find guilt and then and if they find guilt, then there's statutory requirements in place on how how the sentencing is. And there's a lot of things you can consider again psychological issues childhood abuse um, mental deficiencies developmental delays cognitive delays so the judges have to figure all that in and we're making their sentencing so in it, it, everybody's not going to be get exactly the same and we wouldn't want that kind of society there's so many things that the factor into play at each individual and you have to do and, and make a, a call and a judgment based on that person that's before you and not take a cast the net and just clump everybody in. That's the worst thing that I think as judges we can do, clumping everybody in. All the judges I know, you treat every individual and every case and every family that's in front of you as an individual and as a human being and based on the facts that are presented before you and reconciling it with the law, the confines of the law that you're allowed then you make the best decision in our court for families and for children. You know, another issue that we have in our community is a, is a no snitch code. People are afraid. <laughs> People, okay, I know, I know, I know. I, you can like talk around it a little bit, but we have an issue with the no snitch code. And a, a lot of people are afraid to to speak up and speak out because they feel like when they go in front of a judge, like the person that does commit the crime, that whoever tells is going to have to, you know, give testimony and they're not anonymous, you know, it's like, and they kind of get thrown out there and forced to like, you know, they, you know, the, the tell when, and then they're not protected after like they stand up against whoever it was, you know, or, you know, um, be a witness or eyewitness or whatever. Like, what type of protections do people have? Like, when they do, you know, speak up and speak out, like, are there anything that, that protects them? Because they got to go right back home to the same place or wherever, the same environments. And that's the problem. But again, it's a culture that we have to change um, about the anti-snitching or the, the snitch rule. Because um, it's not, it's detrimental to our community. But again, there's a lot of consequences that happen. So it's like a culture shift and the culture has to change. And it has to be okay where people, let's not call it snitch, where people are able That's to- That's what it's called. I Someone told me we got to call it what it's, what it's called. I be want to try to, they say, Jody, if, if it's called this, you got to call it what it is. We got to give it a name. Okay. So we're just going to give it a name, the name of the, that the community, because we got to talk about the way the community, so we okay. can, okay, go ahead. So how you change the snitch rule is 
make it okay to snitch make it okay yes okay this is this is going on and this is affecting me and i want to tell because i want to help the police to solve these crimes we our culture has to change and we have to make it um appropriate and and, and allowable and approved that people can tell Mm-hmm. If they've seen something, now we can't right. be talking about. I heard so and so did such. Right, a, right. It has to be. Yeah, sometimes. but but people shouldn't. The culture has to change where people can feel safe in telling mm-hmm. things that have happened to help resolve crime, to help our communities be safe. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, everybody wants to be in a safe community. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, I've never had a kid that says I want to be a, a gangbanger. I want to mm-hmm. be a bad boy. Everybody wants the same thing in life. We just got to yes. figure out how to get everybody to that pump point. And it's a cultural mm-hmm. shift. And it's a cultural shift. It's a cultural shift. shift. And, 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 I, and I tell the community all the time, like, the snitch code is really for the people that's out in the streets. The snitch code. I, I'm sorry. I know judge. Okay, I'm sorry. I just, you, so you got to know these, you got to know the lingo because you're a judge. So you got to know what they're saying. So you, this is what they okay. So this is what they say in the in the community. Okay, so they call it the snitch code, and but the snitch code is for the people that are actually in the streets committing the crimes together. Now, a person like me and a person like you and the community members, they're not. It's not considered snitching because they're doing what they're supposed to do as a member of a community, as a law-abiding citizen, um, and it's it's not considered snitching. It's it's pretty much just, you know, protecting yourself and your family and your neighborhood and your, you know, things like that. Okay, so you're educating me because what I thought nah. this was, was anybody telling the police or helping the aid into solving crimes and telling on bad behavior. So the snitches between the alleged perpetrators, I don't know nothing about that. Yes. See, that's what, that's why you got to talk to. So we got to break it down, right? So... So the snitching. So if, a, so if A and B commit a crime, yes, the snitch code is if A get caught, he shouldn't tell them. B it. can't say anything. That's snitching. Now if B if B is about to go down, and they be like, if A didn't get caught, and B be like, look, well A was the one to get a shorter term, to get a shorter sentence, or to get released. So that's that's snitching. What the community does, that's not snitching. And I've done a lot of research and I've talked to my street boys and my D boys and I've you know, talked to everybody and, and that's how they broke it down. Like, you're not a snitch if you're not out here committing crimes. Okay. Only the ones that's doing the stuff together. So the cohort. So I have absolutely no ha- answer for that. I don't know. Because... <laughs> <laughs> Well, you learned, I, I was, I'm glad I was able to teach you something today. Yeah. Snitch <laughs> code was the community. Like, say, for instance, to tell that something's going on in our community yeah. and I'm telling the police so they can solve the crime that you don't tell as a community because you may mm-hmm. say, face consequences. Yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. That's, a, that's, cause that's what they, that's, that's the rumor. You know how I told you about the rumor? That's the rumor that's going on. That's, the, that's what's keeping the people, you know, where we're at right now, and the, the, you know, because that bad information, that's bad information, that's keeping everybody from talking. But, if they do talk, and they kept going, you know, like, how are they being protected? That's the thing. A lot of people scared because they don't, they don't want their, you know, they don't want to be have to worry about retaliation. They don't want to have to worry about, you know, there's probably, there would probably be a lot more people 
testify and things like that if they knew that they would be safe. There would probably be a lot more people that would speak up if they knew that they would be safe. But they don't feel safe and they don't feel protected. I mean, so what do we do about that? We have witness protection programs, but I don't. I don't have an answer for that. That's that's sad. But I, I'm one. If I don't know, I don't know. Yeah. Um, again, it, it has to be a cultural change, and we a have to protect another and protect people who have legitimate information that will help keep our our community safe. And that's the whole thing. It's like a checks and balances. We have to keep each other in check, and the people who don't keep them in check then tell the police officers and then the prosecutor. Every If everybody does their job, we should have a, a, a system that works together. And that's where my hope in the world is that we all have a system and we all work collaboratively yes. to stab off problems and help us be a whole healthy society because you can't move to the suburbs to isolate. As we see with- uh, It's moving. It moves. It it's moves. Moving. You can't contain sin. It moves. Mm -hmm. You can't keep. That's why sometimes I'm, when I watch people in the news say, "I never thought that would happen in my neighborhood." I'm like, "Why not?" Right. You know, I just I'm like, <laughs> exactly. That's just life. So since you keep it real, keep it real. Yeah, it's going. It's not going to stop. So that's why everybody has to put their best foot forward, and we have to try to do what we can in our area of influence and do what we're supposed to do, and don't worry about what everybody else is supposed to do, and try to help. Net, negate the bad with good and be that better person, be the kind person, be the person that takes the higher road, be the person that, you know, get loves unconditionally, be the person that wants to, to mentor a kid, be the person that, that, you know, picks up the trash off the street, you know, be that person and not be the person that always complains about everything and how horrible things is, because that doesn't help anything. It solves no problems. Just like you, you're an advocate and you're an activist. You go out there and you push and you push for all of us. And, you know, you make sure that people are heard. You make sure that people have access and people are exposed um, to, to different walks of life. You know, you've got relationships with the mayor, with city council. You've got, uh, you know, street cred, you know, with the movers and the shakers and the drug dealers and the alleged. <laughs> <laughs> You got street cred. So you got cred and us as leaders respect you because you're using your platform to make it on the forefront of people's mind that this stuff is going on. Right. You can't hide in your four walls. This stuff is going on and we need to know it's 